Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. We're crazy to think we're actually getting real close to the halfway market of the 50 most relevant. Number 34 today, we're talking about North Melbourne Kangaroos captain Jack Zebel. It's been a few days since we've had Kane back. I thought he'd bring him back in for another episode. Hello, mate. How you doing? Good, thank you, MJ. Jack Zebel, a guy that I think is oh. a forgotten player in fantasy because he had midfield status for so long and we didn't really pick him, but when you look at the numbers, I think we forgot just how consistent he was for so many years. Yeah, he's a he's a fascinating player to look at. And again, in the 50 most relevant, we are weighting and factoring all different formats of the game. That's what we love to do here at the Coaches Panel. We play all games of fantasy footy. And so it's not only a super coach or only an AFL fantasy or only a dream team. It's all of them combined. It's why you're seeing some players through the 50 most relevant. You're like, hey, 10 days ago, you did a bloke that I think is way more relevant in AFL fantasy than this guy. That's okay. Conversely, it's the other way around. You might have seen a 40s and go, why is Chat Crisp at 41? MJ, what are you doing? It's because we're using all of the formats, putting them all together to create a universal list so that you as the fantasy footy nuts, just like the rest of us here at the coaches panel, uh, can be chatting about all of these incredible players. All right, let's get into it. 29 years old. He is listed as a pure forward only for us. And even though he got just a handful of games last year, we did see probably two games that showed some promise for us. It was a 99 in Supercoach against the Swans. That was his top score last year. While it was a 70 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, you want to adjust that it's in the early 80s um, kind of for you through there. So that's okay. In terms of his career numbers, you are going back earlier in the decade than you probably would like. But again, we're not paying for him to have to deliver these numbers. 156 is his career high AFL Fantasy score. That was against the Western Bulldogs back in 2011. While in 2013, his best super coach score came against the Magpies, a huge 161. In terms of his average, it's a 48 in super coach. It's a 37.6 in AFL fantasy and dream team. Of course, that's been adjusted for us. If you wanted to multiply that times 1.25, it is a 47, but in AFL fantasy, we'll talk about that format a little bit later, but they always choose to reward their discount that they do give to a player because he did get an injury discount across all formats. It was awarded to his 2019 average, not so much what he delivered for us uh, right out of the gate. So his 2019 average was an 89.7 in AFL fantasy. And in fact, we're talking about AFL fantasy before we get any further. Let's just in that format, Kane, let's just put a line through and the way they've chosen to do those prices. Again, for some that think it's right, some think it's wrong. It's universally the same for us all. So it kind of doesn't matter. But at that point, he's priced in the mid-80s. Even if he goes 90, there's guys 100 150K cheaper that if they do that, you're making money and getting banking points. Where at this, he needs to go 95 or 100 to really make that selection worthwhile. Yeah. To keep it simple, MJ, in AF, he is irrelevant for me. And if he yeah. was relevant, if he was priced how he's priced in the other formats which as you said, it doesn't really matter because we're all playing the same yeah. game across it. But for this list purpose, he'd be in the 20s, I'm sure, like, if he was oh, that price in AF. Maybe even in the, maybe yeah. in the top 20. Um, but yeah, to keep it simple for AF, a guy priced in the mid-80s with what I'm foreseeing, Zeebel's role and his age and just the makeup of the North Melbourne side, um, it's a big no for me. Yep. But in DT and Supercoach, like you mentioned, 
We're not asking him to get back to his prime years. No. We're just asking him for to compete with some rookies. Pretty much at that point in time. Look, 2020 was a was a pretty messed up year, unfortunately, for, for a lot of the North Melbourne footy club. And for Jack, he spent a lot of the year on the sidelines with injury. Unfortunately, had a lot of really talented teammates sitting alongside there with him. But last year, even just in three of the games, these are just some of the injuries that, he, that impacted his ability to play through the games and play ultimately in the varying roles that he can for his team. In round one, uh, was started forward, played forward a lot, injured his medial ligament in that game. The good news is he was able to get back out there for the next few weeks beyond that. But you could even just see, if you re-watch some of those games in round two, round three, you could see him heavily strapped, um, really kind of fighting his way through the game. Um, And and even even after, remember, round one, there was like a three-month layoff. So he's coming back from a medial ligament long-term injury in that regard. So it's not like, hey, I'm back in six days' time. There's months of recovery that's gone in there. He gets back in at round four. Cops a really big knock. Corky early in the game in in the fourth quarter. Club still want him on the ground. Need that rotation. They chunk him forward. Then pings his hammy late in the game. So he's done. He's out for a month. Round seven, he's back in. Comes up against the Tigers. What happens? Hammy goes ping again, and he gets a Canelio. Yep, that's what we call a donut, a zero in the fantasy footy community where you're on the field, nothing happens. So he cops a zero. So yet that average that he's been priced at for us in Dream Team and Supercoach, it's already further impacted in terms of the zero that's through there. And then he gets back for the last three games of the year. So it was a nasty year in 2020, but there was even still some bright spots. Maybe it's round three, and maybe round two came. When you look at those games and those stats, again, nothing that's like, oh, wow, he's a captaincy option. But for where he's priced for us in those two games, you go, well, that's that's a, that's a handy return for what I'm paying for him at 350 in DT and 250 in Supercoach. Oh, he can still score him, Jay, for sure. Again, is he going to get the prime role where he used to be one of the prime midfielders alongside mm-hmm. Ben Cunnington? I don't think so. Do I think he'll get some opportunity? I think so, because I think it is really important as much as you want to give, you know, time to the kids. We've seen that it just doesn't work that way. Your best way to develop your side is to try to win as many games as possible. Mm. And you've got a new coach and you can't tell me that having Jack Zeeble in there doesn't give them a better chance to win than a lot of these kids. Again, I understand you've spent high draft picks on them. You want to get opportunities into them. But it doesn't have to be straight away in their first season. And there is nothing wrong yeah. with building them up. And I'm talking at training, preseason, all this type of stuff. You're not asking Tom Powell and Will Phillips to lead the midfield their first year. No. It actually is counterintuitive to their development. I'm sure they'll play a lot of games. But if you've got a guy like Jack Zebel in there, alongside Cunnington, helping Simpkin, Davies mm. Uniac, Jed Anderson... Third yeah. and the best and Ferris had a sensational season. Like there's enough of a core in that engine room. Again, obviously guy like Cunnington would like to play pretty much his whole time on ground in the midfield. Yeah. I think Zeeble's a guy that can do a bit of 50-50. Yeah. As I said, you can't underestimate how important it is for North Melbourne to be competitive yes. in games, especially with a new coach. And like you said, mentioned MJ, there's – an 89 and a 99 in Supercoach last year. Mm. There's two scores in the 80s in there. And those were mainly you know, primary forward roles. So yeah. 
Really? At his price, MJ, we're talking about a guy that's pretty much at 50 or even the high 40s. Like, here's some names, MJ, in Supercoach that are more expensive than Jack Zebel in the forward line. All right. Ben Ronk, Josh Corbett, James Bell, yep. uh, Irving Mosquito, uh, Boyd Woodcock, Jaden Hunt. A good friend Payne of the Turner. coaches panel, by the way, Boyd. So hello if you're listening, mate. Yeah, again, no disrespect to Boyd, but this is Jack Zebel, who's a premium scorer for you know, the best part of nearly a decade. Um, and yeah, Jaden Hunt's you know, just ahead of him as well. See, you're getting Jack Zebel at $257,900, MJ. What do we want from a cow? Maybe 100, 150 would be very happy with. Yeah. 150K? Yeah. Really? Again, there's no job security concerns. There is a potential ceiling that could generate some cash rather quickly. And I think most of what questions we have to be answered will be answered by the time round one comes around. Is he fit? Did he play in the preseason? Has David Noble said, how he plans to use him. Yeah. Like, I don't think these are things that we'll be waiting on. No, I, I don't think so. And we've just got this really short memory in the fantasy footy community. I, I don't expect him to go back to do what he did in 2019, but if he gets anywhere near that in dream team and super coach, it's one of the value picks of the year that year he averaged um, just off uh, 90. In fact, it was 90 across all formats of the game. Nine dream team and AFL fantasy tons, three over 120. It included a 145 and a 155, three additional scores of 90 plus. So half of the year in dream team and fantasy, he's going 90 plus. In super coach, 10 tons, six of them were over 120. It included a 140 and a 133, another four scores above 80. I think three of them were 90 plus scores. And in the middle portion of 2019, he was the on fire forward that year because from round I think it was round 6 to round 16 he averaged 104 across all formats again he doesn't have to do that but he was doing this 18 months ago Um, and you look over his career that you alluded to just the past 6 years these are his averages in dream team and fantasy again not including 2020 95, 84, 90, 95, 94 and 82 in Supercoach 95, 83, 86, 94 89 and 84 and he doesn't have this history of big injury layoffs you might yep okay there's a couple in there a medial and a couple of hammies and a couple of corkies not a great year for him but outside of that he played every game in 2019 and 2018 he played 19 games in 2017 And then between 2016 and 2015, he only missed one game. So you're really talking about a handful of missed games in five years. So he's got relative history of durability. Even when he plays a split forward and mid roll, he looks like an eighties guy across your formats and he's priced for us in super coach about 50 K more than Jamara Eugle Hagen and like a hundred K more than an Elijah Hollands in Dream Team. I just see this guy, you're right. The question is, what does he need to do to get picked in your side? Get through the preseason unscathed. Like, if he does that for me, sure, the, the role's going to maybe tw- you know tilt me a little either side in those two formats. But if he gets through the preseason unscathed, gosh, it's going to be hard not to pick him. Yeah, totally agree, MJ. The last time I checked, he's still the captain of the North Melbourne Football Club. Yeah. So I know, as I said, in the Wayne Miller one, a guy at this price, 
that has a scoring history, like those guys aren't usually best 22, let alone the captain of the club. And, and could 2020 have been more tumultuous for Jack Siebel? He had, yeah. couldn't get on the park. And when he did, you know, half of his games almost ended with him on the bench. Yeah. The club played horrible football outside of the first few rounds. Yeah. Unfortunately, the coach had to step down due to personal issues. Yeah. Like that is it. And, and also we're dealing with a, a global pandemic, being away from your family. Jeez, can we just not maybe wipe the table clean and yeah. say, hey, nothing went their way. No, like not nothing thing. went their way. And the main thing in salary cap is we're not asking him to get back to his, his best. No. We're just asking him to be a very solid, honestly, mid-70s type of guy. And he's done his job. You can play on. Again, the only way I don't see this fitting in to your side is if we have so many cash cows yeah. that we don't even need mid-prices. Yeah. Like if we've got so many good cows that the rest of our cash can just be used to pick the premiums that we want for the whole year, yeah, yeah. that's how I think a Jack Zebel doesn't make your side. Yep. Will that happen? I'd be really surprised. Me I feel too. like we always start the preseason with, you know, oh, Will Gould will play and um, Jez McLennan will, will be in the sun side the whole time. <laughs> and he'll, he'll still average 65. But really, even if you're a top pick, you don't just walk into AFL sides in this day and age. It is very hard to get, you know, we're going to be talking MJ. If we want to have Jack Zebel not be relevant in our starting side, we need probably 12 to... 15 cows like that's the type of level that we need to be seeing which it's is just unlikely um, yeah so really i think that's it's that simple watch him in the preseason your eyes will tell you all you need to know if he gets through it unscathed it's fine does he need to be in that midfield of cunnington simpkin anderson ldu all on the end most of them plus those two draftees that you were alluded to those high picks of phillips and powell a couple of rotations is he going to be needed inside that forward 50 line to support the likes of Larky? Yeah, he actually is. There's been some talk of him playing in defense. Is that needed? Look, honestly, I don't see it with Aiden core coming back in there. I don't see the need for that, but if it happens, cool. Okay. I don't think that's the thing where you, where do you want Zebel? You want him using that overhead contested marking that he's really strong in. And you want him in and under the packs um, and using that hopeful still burst of speed that he's got from stoppage that has those moments where early in his career, he and Patrick Dangerfield were contrasted um, a, a lot in terms of that quick burst, you know, first touch out of stoppage and, and run away. If he can get anywhere near a 75 plus, like you said, it's a win. And if he gets near 2019 where he's a 90 guy, you have just got one of the bargains of the year. So, so I think you're right. I think in salaries, AFL fantasy, he's priced irrelevant for us. I, I, you just can't do it, and that's okay. Dream team and super coach. Dream team, you probably need more cows than you do in super coach. At super coach, he's a high end cow. He, he and Joe Danaher, you know, who he talked about in the 50 most relevant. Drafts is an interesting one, though, Kane. Do you put a lot of faith in what he did in 1918, 17, or? knowing that people will probably draft based on last year's averages, he would slide, wouldn't he? Yeah. You'd love him to be your F6. And what I mean by that, obviously, is your bench player. Yeah. Because 
in the dream scenario, if your draft league allows it, he is the perfect loophole player. Yeah. You bring him on, you put him on the bench, I mean, you see what he scores. If he scores great, you you know, you loophole the player on. Yep. If not, you put someone else. Uh, 75 MJ is usually our line for our 50th forward, isn't it? Yep. Really. Um, which is about where I've got him. What's the upside? It seems like in the role he'll get, it's probably going to be low 80s. He's yeah. probably the best I can hope for, realistically. Yeah. So really, if you took him at your F5 position, which again is probably, for me, honestly, it might be 18th round. It's probably where, it's probably my last starting position in a draft on field. Maybe it's 16th if I've also got defenders. You know, it's just, it's, it's not great. I'm not jumping at it. But if yeah. he's in that pack with, you know, a bunch of other guys that are sort of around the same mark. He probably has more upside than them most of the yeah. time. And he's definitely got the job security. Yes. Um, obviously, the body's a concern. Again, he's not a massive make or break. Uh, because if he breaks at where you've probably got him for, you just throw him back to the pool and grab totally. someone off the waiver wire. Make, he'd probably have to go 85 plus. Then you'd be feeling really good. He's probably, yeah. you know, gone from an F5 to an F3. But really... It's it's not super bad if you miss him. Yeah, it's not the end of the world if you grabbed him in round fourteen. I don't think it's going to kill you. No. Um, again, same thing with a lot of these guys. When they're really cheap in salary, there's usually a push, especially if there's a good preseason game. Yep. Um, now, if he came out in the preseason and he's a full mid, and Cunnington's back's aggravated, and Jed Anderson has an injury or LDU, like. Yeah, he probably would rise a few rounds for me. But at this present time, I think he's a late teens pick. Your last sort of spot, F5. What about you? Yeah, I'm pretty much the same, man. If 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 F5 is the earliest I'm reaching, um, and then if I can get him one or two rounds later, that's the ideal. Because the upside, there's no risk at that point. Let's be honest. If you think back to draft day and you're thinking your F5s, if you keep them, that's a win let alone if they pop an 80-plus average like he could. So I, I think at that point in the draft, your late teens, you're just taking flyers and hopes. And if you need to, you move them quickly onto the waiver wire. Do you see him being a guy in a keeper league that could maybe have a little bit of value if he does play pretty well? Because really, he's probably not going to have many years left of relevance. And if you're fighting for a flag, it's sometimes not the worst thing to have You know that that backup F5, F6 that you can yeah. sort of rotate through. Um, I don't see how he'd be um, capable really in too many list lodgements, but maybe in a redraft, if you're set elsewhere, MJ, yeah. you know, if, you, if you're keeping, let's say you're keeping 20 players, so there's no intention for Zeeble to actually ever see the field if everything goes well. Yeah. Maybe in the third to fifth round of a redraft, you just take that fly up, you know, Fingers crossed the upside hits. Absolutely. Like because in the equivalent of a single draft, that's pick 23, 24, 25. Yeah. So it's yeah. Perfectly I just feel like reasonable. So, yeah. I, keeper, I think obviously, there's... you've got the weight to the younger guys. But yeah. hey, if you're in that premiership window, go. Again, it's not much risk, again, being on the bench with the potential upside. So maybe that's where people can just keep a sneaky eye on him. Hey, this could be a guy that, you know, could be a valuable on field player for me. Yeah, it could be a 10, 15 point points per game increase on what you're already pocketed away in your forward lines. Hey, mate, appreciate your thoughts today on Jack Zebel. No worries.
If you want to go back and read the article, uh, it's got a little bit more in-depth uh, thoughts on him. You can go and check that out at coachespanel.tv, our number 34 player in the 50 most relevant. You can also, while you're there, uh, read all the other players. You can find all, all the links to get involved in our Patreon supporter group where you get early access to these podcasts and additional exclusive access content. We'll be back tomorrow. Number 33 in the 50 most relevant. I don't normally like to give clues about who we've got, but I'll give you one this. We're heading to the opposite end of the ground. He was a real popular pick towards the back of the year. But is he a popular pick to start this year? Give it all, now give it-